0: Today's guest, Joseph Tychonovich, was one of the young horticulturists I profiled in an article in the April-May 2013 issue of Organic Gardening Magazine. Joseph Tychonovich studied horticulture, plant breeding, and genetics at Michigan State University. He has worked for the ornamental plant Jordan Plasm Center and even traveled to Japan where he worked for the famed nurseryman Akira Shibamachi. He is currently the nursery manager for Arrowhead Alpines, the rare plant mail-order nursery in Michigan. His first book, Plant Breeding for the Home Gardener, How to Create Unique Vegetables and Flowers, has just come out. Saving seeds of an old variety and sowing them year after year is one way to perpetuate and protect an heirloom variety. But he takes the process further. Joseph cultivates what he calls new heirlooms. He crosses the plants himself. I'm happy to welcome Joseph Tychonovich to Ken Drew's Real Dirt.
1: Hi, Ken.
0: Hi. <laughs> That's a lot to live <laughs> up to, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on your book. Uh, Thank you. I, I don't know how you, what you think, but I love the cover.
1: I do really love the cover. I'm really happy with it, how it came out. It's been a really, um, it's kind of an intimidating process, but it's been really exciting, and I'm really happy with how it's come out and how the publishers made it come together, so...
0: And now you know how much work it is, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a much longer process
0: than I had expected. But... Yes. So, why would someone want to breed his or her own plant?
1: Well, there's so many reasons. Um, it's, it's. I think it's practical. You can breed things that are going to be adapted to the specifics of your local garden, your soil, your climate rather than stuff that's being bred commercially that's trying to be widely adapted and thrive all across the country. You can really focus on stuff that's going to thrive in your conditions, Um, and it's also fun because you can make things that are suited to your specific tastes. Everybody likes a different flavor in their tomatoes or different flower colors, Um, so when you start breeding for yourself, you get to make things just the way you like them. but I always say, and the real reason I do it is because it's lots and lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this, it's a lot, I mean, growing, gardening is always exciting and fun, and I love seeing new things bloom, new things to me in the garden, uh, and it's just that much more fun when the flowers are opening or something that I've been able to create or help create myself, or you know, the flavor of a new tomato is something that nobody's tasted before ever because it just came into being in my garden that year. So it's really, it's really, that's a lot of fun. Well, but it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's not as, I don't think it's, I mean, gardeners need to not be impatient people anyway. <laughs> Gardening is always a process and, it, and plant breeding certainly takes time, but I don't think it takes as much time as people think. Um, you know, you can, it can take years to finish a variety to make a tomato that's going to come stable from seeds. Every time you plant the seeds, it's going to look the same. But every year along the way, there's something, it's exciting, it's fun, there's new things to taste and things to see. It's not like you have to wait years and years and years to get something. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, if you start crossing tomatoes this year, next year you're going to have something new and interesting and exciting in your garden.
0: Well, you're mentioning something that comes true from seed. Uh, would you call that a strain?
1: Right. yes, yeah, Seed strain. <clears throat> and there's, that's the other thing is like commercially seed strains to be very uniform. You know, they need to have a tomato needs to look exactly the same. So when people buy the seeds, they're going to get, they get what they're, what's on the, what's on the label. Um, but seed strains can be diverse and variable and that's a lot faster to get to. And really, I think more fun because in my own garden, I don't need everything to be perfectly uniform, I, especially something that's, I'm going to sow out a lot of like a, a salad greens, like a lettuce or something. Some diversity, difference in different plants. Uh, a very you know ununiform strain can be really really fun and doesn't take much time to get to.
0: Well, I want, and I, I want to explain if we can strain a okay. little bit because it's something that when I tell people what. How I describe that—they just get this glazed look on their faces—and <laughs> then I then I get into it. well, you know, like uh, dogs are all one species, but there's different pedigrees that are strains, and then they, you know, they start to
1: get—they start their eyelids roll back in their yeah. heads. Basically, <laughs> basically they're families. Um, <laughs> that's the way I like to explain it. You know, like a brandywine tomato are is a family of tomatoes that are very very uniform. So all of them look like the same, but some, some, but strains, which are just, you know, genetic relatives can be more diverse than that, just as, you know, people, that's maybe not a great analogy, but yeah. you know, there's, <laughs> there's some families where all the kids look like each other and some where they don't. Um, so most varieties we're used to thinking of are, are strains, are families that are very, very similar, but you can also make ones that are more diverse and more variable.
0: Yeah boy when you get into people that's that's not good <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know it is a little it's but it's familiar you know i think we we think of genetics sometimes as being this complex science but we do we see it every day in our families or like you say in dogs and stuff like that and it, it is it is familiar and even though we think it may be complex we just we've seen it in action just um in our daily lives
0: well if you have even just to start a little further back uh, basically a species within mm-hmm. a species a spe- members of a species members individuals in a species if they're they can breed with each other and if right. there's ver- variety within a species and that's what you're sort of talking about you know the tall the short but they're all one species if uh, you get all the tall plants and you keep them and you allow them to breed in isolation, away from other members of the species, other varieties of the species. And after a, a while, you're going to get pretty much the same tall plant. Right. And yeah. that, that's what I would say is the strain. in it, And y- there is some variability, as you said. But uh, to have to buy a, something like an, an heirloom or a brandywine tomato, if you grow that with tons of other tomatoes, the seeds collected from your brandywine probably will maybe resemble the brandywine, but won't be closer to the strain that you're after. So to develop a strain, you have to grow those plants in isolation from other members of the family.
1: Right, yeah, and that depends on the plant. Tomatoes, um, some plants, if you grow them all together in your garden, they'll all interbreed like crazy. Mm -hmm. Like um, columbines are famous for that. If you've had columbines in your garden the seedlings come up and they're all, they're hybrids, they're, they're different things because they just, the bees carry the pollen around. Some things like tomatoes tend to self-pollinate, so you can grow them together and usually the two the strains won't interbreed. Yeah. I really like things like columbines um, and violas and um, phloxes and stuff that do interbreed and then self sow my garden because they basically do all the work for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's really easy if you just... Um, you know, if you get a bunch of cool um, columbines or something else, one of those other perennials that's going to self sow in your garden, plant them out. They'll hybridize themselves, you know, with the help of the bees, throw their seedlings everywhere, and then what you can do as a gardener then is just keep the ones that you like, weed out the ones you don't like as much, and over time that, that will develop a strain that's based on natural selection will make it adapt to your, your garden and your, you know, your climate. And then by you going in and picking out the ones that you find the the prettiest, you're going to then create a strain that's very attractive to you um, and performs well in your garden.
0: I can can just hear all those gardeners screaming, I can't kill the babies. I I can't weed out the ones. I know it's ugly, but.
1: Well, yeah, that's. You can kill them. You can if you just let them not if you just deadhead them, you stop them from going to seed. Then they won't oh, carry on to the next generation. So you can do that too. If you have a, a whole field of columbines, you can just let the ones you like the best go to seed and deadhead the rest of them so that then the next generation is gonna be from the prettiest plants. I get it.
0: Um, yeah. you mentioned violas and you mentioned a few other plant columbines which I think you don't get involved in that because they kind of do it themselves. But uh, what right. are some <laughs> of the plants? Well, you mentioned phlox, too. Are you talking about perennial phlox?
1: I'd like to know some of the plants that you have worked with. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, plants that I've worked with, i I worked with a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, so some things like columbines and phlox, like the phlox paniculata, um, yeah, it will it'll do it all itself. So I don't actively breed them as so much as there's a big field of them that are seeding around and <laughs> kind of go and pick out the ones that I like the best to let set seed. Um, but I've, <laughs> I'm have i pretty addicted and pretty much almost anything I'm growing, I start playing with breeding. So with vegetables, I've been doing a lot of tomatoes and peppers and squash Um and a little bit with beans and a few other things that (laughs) kale, (laughs) the list is is long. Um, And then man with with flowers, I started with roses, that was one of the first things that I really got into um, breeding, but I've also been breeding uh, snapdragons, there's a lot of really cool hardy species that I like, and um, (laughs) strange things like like little weed plantain, a little lawn weed that I've been planting (laughs) with. To get colorful foliage
0: or, or variegation?
1: Yeah. Well, there is, there's, there's a bunch of strains that have, there's a purple leaf strain and then there's one that has frilled leaves. And there's, um, these ones where the flower spikes are converted into these cool rosettes of leaves. So I've been breeding those together to combine the, the frilled leaf traits with the purple leaves and variegation and some things like that. So, (laughs) <laughs> just because I can. Yeah, it's still a weed, but they're they're pretty cool looking, and I'm having fun with it.
0: Well, pick a plant and take us through the step by step. And I'm I'm suggesting that you describe something you might have a goal for, as opposed to more <laughs> right, just, just more. <laughs> but, you know, like if you if you're aiming at something. Uh, in a tomato or a watermelon or something uh, how would you or the tomato is interesting because of the self-pollination aspect right. and but uh, tell tell us how you might you know go about trying to achieve a certain goal okay
1: um, well let's I'm trying to think let's take peppers mm-hmm. um, for example which are very very similar to tomatoes but um, so I really like peppers but In our cool summers here, they usually don't ripen very early, and so to get like red ripe peppers in a Michigan summer is not very easy, Um, bell peppers. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So um, I did have one variety that I got that um, I think was called Ace that was the earliest pepper for me, but I didn't like the flavor very much, but there's another pepper um, that I've been growing called, um, and I'm going to blank out now, Aji Dulce or something, that is really amazing flavor, but I get like one red ripe pepper on the whole season. So I have one plant that grows well for me, and another one has great flavor. So I want to try to combine those two traits. Um, so the first step is really just growing them both when they're in flower, moving the pollen from the one flower to the other flower, um, which is pretty – it's hard to explain it over the radio, but with a picture, um, it's, it's, you know, it's just the male part of the flower, the female part of the flower, and you just move the pollen from one to the other Um, and then collect the seeds that are going to develop from that flower, um, which are going to be your hybrid seeds. Um, And then if you plant those seeds out, the first generation you're going to have, which is called the F1, those individuals are all going to be the same. They're all going to have half their genes from the one parent, half their genes from the other parent. And then if you save seeds from that for the next generation, then... You get all this variation. You're shuffling together all the genes of the two parents. So all the traits of the two parents then come in new combinations of flavors and sizes and colors. And I just look through, grow out as many of those as I have room for, um, and then look through and taste through all the diversity that comes out to find the ones that I like the best, that have the best flavor, that are growing the best, that are the prettiest, um, whatever the goals I have. And then you just keep saving seeds from the best ones year after year, and each year the amount of diversity you see from those seeds is going to go down until after five or six generations, it's going to be very uniform. That strain, like we talked about, is going to come, is going to be basically all the same with the flavor you like, and hopefully, the, you know, the, what I want is good performance and growth in a Michigan summer.
0: And then you get to name it.
1: <laughs> and then you get to name it and give and yeah, and share it with your friends and all that kind of fun stuff,
0: <laughs> so when you're moving pollen back and forth, do you pick the flower and bring it to the other flower, or do you use a paintbrush? or
1: um i use it depends on the um on the plant if i have if there's lots of flowers on the plant, then I'll just grab the whole flower um if there's just a few i I usually use tweezers actually to just mm. grab the anther and um carry some pollen over paint brushes I don't like because the pollen sticks in the brush. So if you then want to go to another flower and use it again, you have to clean it really well. You're going to have other pollen stuck in the bristles. Wow. Uh,
0: I want to taste that pepper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's really fun. I've been playing with peppers. I I started bringing peppers because I was looking through seed catalogs, and there's just like pages and pages of tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And then all the other vegetables, there was like, you know, a few varieties. And I decided that they weren't getting enough love. So I'm going to start beating peppers <laughs> because tomatoes you're getting. It's just too many tomatoes and not enough of other fun vegetables.
0: Too many tomatoes. Um, hearing you say too many tomatoes, do you, can you tell me some of the tomato varieties that you have been attracted to or that you think are pretty good and available? Um,
1: let's see. My favorites are Matt's Wild Cherry. It's a, my favorite cherry tomato incredibly vigorous really really sweet it's a great plant to grow and i really like it in breeding because it's so healthy and vigorous and a good grower then and it's it passes that trait on well to other things um i really love black creme which is like you know a big beef steak tomato really meaty and rich flavor and um hmm opaca or opalka mm. Um,
0: a paste tomato, my favorite paste tomato for sauces and stuff. Uh, okay, so you said Max Wild Cherry. For Max Cherry. Wild Cherry. Uh, and, well, spell that for me because maybe I'm not here. M A T T. M A T T. Matt, so. Oh. Yeah. I
1: thought it was like uh, Maximum. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's some guy named Matt found it growing wild in Mexico. Incredible. And that's, that's, yeah.
0: And what was the second one? Crim?
1: black creme incredible
0: well those are exciting and yeah. i guess you can find those in some catalog specialty catalogs yeah i
1: know um i think yeah i johnny selected seeds i think is where i got both of them from they're both they're pretty available um
0: but so uh, tell me a bit about how you ended up as the nursery manager for arrowhead alpines and what arrowhead
1: alpines is Okay. Um, Arrowhead Alpines is uh, a specialty rare plants nursery that um, a couple Bob and Rebecca Stewart started um, just over 20 years ago, actually. So they started specializing, as the name suggests, in um, rock garden alpine plants and expanded on to just about any kind of rare and unusual perennial um, that's, you know, a hardy perennials here in Michigan. Um, I had been a customer from, at the nursery for um, a long time. Um, once, when I moved to Michigan, um, and, you know, I came and shopped a lot and got to know them. Um, and then I started working here. Um, I got to know Brigetta here, you know, at the nursery, and then also online. I was living in Lansing, which was kind of far away, but through Facebook plant groups and stuff, got to know mm-hmm. her better. Um, and then um, Bob was had um, passed away from cancer just over a year ago, um, which was obviously, you know, incredibly hard for, um, you know, the nursery and for Brigetta. And so I kind of was coming over just to help out sort of in those, as a friend, in those final days when, you know, she was trying to deal with that and keep the nursery running and stuff. And that sort of, I just sort of, you know, just coming by to help out and then you know, said, hey, well, what if I just worked here, and so now I'm working here. <laughs> but um, it's been really fun. It's, it's an incredible place, pretty unique just in terms of the diversity of plants they have. I, you know, I thought I was a good plants, plantsman before I started here and have learned an incredible amount um, from Baguetta and from working with the plants here. It's really been an exciting experience.
0: Well, we're going to have a link to Arrowhead Alpines on the Kendrew's Real Dirt Radio and Podcasts show page. I'm speaking great. with Joseph Tykanovich, uh, one of the, I almost said young guns, we can't say gun anymore, one of the young <laughs> guns of horticulture, uh, who I profiled in an article in the April-May issue of Organic Gardening Magazine. And I'm i am so thrilled. Well, the response to that article has been surprising, <laughs> to say yeah, the least. Yeah, it great but I'm thrilled that I was able to get you in it and find some other people who I think are really going to be the people we'll look to in the future in horticulture and gardening and who will help gardening and horticulture have a future.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it was pretty, um, I was pretty, pretty exciting to um, be profiled in, in your your piece. It was kind of, it was, it's really it's really strange to you know be at the bookstore and see a magazine, and it's like, wow, I'm in that magazine. <laughs> yeah, they should have put you on the cover. <laughs>
0: and how does um, it feel to see your book in a in a bookstore? Have you have you had that experience?
1: I have not yet. Actually, oh. somebody sent me a, a photo. I've got photos sent to me, but I haven't <laughs> actually seen it on the shelf yet. But, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I think it, the article is really cool, I and mean, I think it is exciting. Um, there are a lot of sort of the next generation of horticulture. There's a lot of people doing really cool, interesting stuff. And I think it's neat the degree to which we know each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, most of the people in your article, I, of the six, I knew, uh, you know, um, I didn't know, don't know two of them, but the other three, I knew, I've known pretty well. And I think a lot of that is because the internet makes it easy to connect with people. I think it's cool that our generation I feel is really connected where we're Talking a lot, sharing a lot of ideas, um, and I think it's going to be exciting as that goes forward.
0: Uh, Have you had reaction to the book? Have people talked to you about it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have. I've been. (laughs) This is I. I'm a few people have you know written reviews on blogs and stuff, and I've talked to some people about it, and everything's been really positive, which is really exciting. But. It's I'm like terrified to read anything anyone writes about it. Well, no, I can understand <laughs> it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's like okay. I hope and it's it's been but it's the response has been really good. It's really I'm really happy about it. Well,
0: I think one of the wonderful things of, about the book is how you explain everything. And this is science, and we know you and I know that gardening is art and nurturing and science, and you can't cut the science out of it. But people are often afraid of that, and you just. It's like, you know, you're chatting, and I'm learning, (laughs) and I'm not even trying to learn, but there it is, and you make it, I I don't want to say that you make it sound easy, you just make it clear and uh, possible, and I can see myself in it when I, I, well, I hear you, but I can see, you know, oh, well, I I understand that, I can see that, I can even do that. And I think that's a thrilling part. the the one part, the patience part. I got to work on that. <laughs> but it's like you yeah. said, there's all these these little points along the way where you get to taste something which is really good. But you know, when you're when you're thinking about this, or when I'm thinking about it or reading about it, you think you're standing there waiting for years. You know, that you're standing there tapping your toe, waiting right. for the plant to, to grow. And then it's winter, and you're just thinking about it all the time. But of course. There's hundreds of things going on or thousands of things going on. It's not like you're really just standing there with your, you know, legs crossed and fingers crossed and waiting for the next, in the snowstorm,
1: <laughs> waiting yeah. for May. Well, I'm doing a lot of that right now, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is, it is, it is every step of the way. There's this, it's interesting and exciting. And I really think sort of the first, the first years of a reading project are the most fun because that's when you really are seeing the, the possibilities, and um, it's most, you know exciting that sort of when you have all the, the most diversity of just making a cross, and it's always fun to see. There's always the things I'd aimed for. I have you know in my mind. I'm hoping this will taste good and grow well and stuff. But there's always surprises because genetics is really complex, and you never know um, when something interesting like wow, I wasn't aiming for this great flavor, but I got it, or I was breeding for. You know pink flowers, but here's something you know that's like lavender or something something new pops up that's that's fun and exciting that you weren't expecting, which is um, which is the other part that's fun about it is because it's it's creative work, but you're you're really a very junior partner with nature mm. so it's it's as much as like just exploring the cool things that nature can do with these plants as it is creating you know uh, you know a, something yourself.
0: Joseph Tychonovich's new book is Plant Breeding for the Home Gardener, How to Create Unique Vegetables and Flowers. It's just come out from Timber Press with a wonderful, happy cover. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you don't need a lab coat to <laughs> to try breeding your own plants, and you don't need to be, get it right or perfect. Your job doesn't depend on it. It's, it's something to do for fun. Right. And I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Good. Well, this year, 2013, it's been quite cold, and the, the spring, unlike many of the last few springs, is not coming early, and I'm thrilled. It gives me a chance to weed slowly, divide plants, take a look at things, and not feel that incredible pressure of everything has to get done at once. And it even gives you time to read a book. And whether you decide to breed any of your own plants or not, I'll tell you, looking at Plant breeding for the home gardener, it's, it's like hearing Joseph uh, t- talk about it and with his incredible enthusiasm and excitement. And you may never breed your own plant, but it, it really is a fun read. Join me again next week for another edition of Ken Drew's Dirt, The Garden Show.